Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Everybody, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont, and I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, and it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, amazing discussions from fans just like you. But today, we are very excited to welcome onto the show author Jim McDonnell, who just wrote. Check it out, the unattractive vampire. Yay! Congratulations, and welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. So technically today for you is is published day. Your book is out officially today, but when this episode goes up, it will have happened a week before. But so how how do you feel a week after? Uh, a week after, I feel much better. <laughs> Especially with everything being done and not having any more deadlines. Yeah, that oh, feels great. good. For sure. Um, we, uh, we are extra happy, of course, because An Unattractive Vampire was part of the Sword and Laser Collection Contest over on Inkshares. Um, so I believe you are book number two out of the first round of picks. We had, um, we had uh, The Life Engineered was, number, was the first one that came out, and now your book. And then after this, we'll have Asteroid Made of Dragons. Yep, that sounds right. And you've got uh, pretty good star ratings so far on Amazon, uh, and enough of them that they are probably from Not Your Mom. <laughs> yes, I, actually, I know for a fact that none of them are my mom. <laughs> hers got yeah, taken down. It's getting no, really? Is that yeah. is that true? Well, well, my mom and my dad both tried leaving an a review, and because they did it from the same computer or the same oh. email, they oh. both got deleted. So they got. So they I know got, for a fact none of them are my mom. They got spam gated. That's amazing. I wonder if if they tried again at a later time, if it would work, or if they're basically just banned from Amazon for life. I imagine the latter. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> That's too so, bad. Well, they did it. They did it for you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're very excited. But first, can you give us a rundown uh, on how you came up with the idea of an ugly vampire? Which I mean, all the vampires were and should be uh, in the good old days, at least. Basically, it. It started with the first time I heard of a little book called Twilight, little popular novel. Wait, what's it called again? Twilight. Twilight. Okay, good. I'll like Twilight, but not. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was in line uh, at the Minneapolis Fringe Festival, and I was overhearing a, a woman who was a librarian talking to her friend. Uh, about this thing called Twilight, where the vampires were sparkly. And that upset me so so much that I went home and kind of rage-googled it. And basically, I like spent the entire evening looking up everything I could find about it. Um, and then just probably a few weeks later, I was walking around, and I came up with a bit about uh, a vampire being mistaken for a werewolf. 
And then as on that same walk, I just started, like it started snowballing into other bits and other bits. And then the title came to me and I decided, hey, this could be a book down the line. I think Twilight gets a an, a bad rap out of proportion to the criticisms that you can legitimately mm-hmm. have for it. And and so, I mean, do you think now that you've you've your rage Google has <laughs> has subsided and you've you've re- you've written an unattractive vampire, do you think mm-hmm. there's a place for the sparkly vampire out there? And 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 you're just reclaiming the heritage of vampires? Or are you still very much like no vampires really shouldn't shouldn't look like that? Uh, I mean, really, vampires shouldn't look like that. Um, on, honestly, it wasn't the sparkly bit that upset me so much as the being able to go into sunlight. That was the first time I had encountered vampires who could go into sunlight. I've since encountered a bunch and like being human and, and things like that. But that was the, the my first exposure to that. And it was really that lack, because up until then, that was like the last vestige of uh, old vampire lore that hadn't been like discarded um, by by you know stories like bef- you know oftentimes vampires will have like I'm I'm thinking like in Blade where they're like no crosses don't work that's ridiculous <laughs> and then in other stories it's like what garlic no don't be stupid that's that's ju- that's just myth and legend. And so, like, sunlight was the last vestige of, no, this is what a vampire is. And when that was gone, that just upset me. So then you must have done a lot of research into historical vampires, I was about to say, I guess, fictional historical vampires, (laughs) and kind of what they do and what they don't do. Are there any things that we don't know about vampires that maybe perhaps have been lost to time? Um. Well, actually, one of the things I discovered about old vampires is that they weren't necessarily nocturnal. Um, that was kind of something that came later uh, with, like, stories about vampires. Um, but, I mean, there are lots of different kinds of blood-sucking creatures that get labeled under vampire, and it's fun to discover like little-known ones or like little-known facts of some. For example, and I couldn't. I, I did. I did a little bit of, of brush up on my, on my vampireness because I've been working on this for a lot a while. So some of the research I did, eh, I don't remember at all. Um, but there was one type. I believe it was a Greek vampire. This was the most outrageous way of becoming a vampire, where it was, if a redheaded boy peed on your grave, you became a vampire. What? You became like this. Yeah, you became like this little, like. They describe them as like ruddy and stout and kind of fat vampire. This is more like anti-ginger sentiment, I think. This is coming well, from that, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, some, some, uh, and I think again with the Greeks, if you were a redhead, you could just become a vampire because you were a redhead when you died. Wow. Yeah, I, I can imagine at funerals all the uh, <laughs> the the women with with redheaded children, which obviously probably wasn't many people, which is the reason that they have all these weird myths about redheads. Uh, but the, being looked at and saying that, like, don't you dare let your child pee in his grave. We don't want another vampire out there. We don't need any more vampires around these parts, buddy. Take it inside. Um, so you mentioned that you've been working on this book for a really long time. How did you get started writing? And and, how, and, and, and in particular, this book, how long did it take you to go from, from idea in those heady twilight days to finished product? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I mean, the idea I probably had about eight years ago. Um, and then I really didn't start, like, I kind of, like, fiddled with it, but I didn't think I had the patience for uh, writing a novel back in those days. Um, I didn't really start working on it until about five years ago. Um, when I, I was going through not a, a great, not a great time uh, in my life, and I just kind of decided, let's give this a try. And I, that's when I sat down and basically just started focusing on uh, writing, and particularly writing this novel. So that was the end of 2010, beginning of 2011. Um, I finished the first draft, and I, I finished through like a third draft that year. Um, gave it to some people to read, uh, got it back, did a few more drafts on that, then started submitting to agents, got rejections. Um, probably took about a year off working on other things, and then did, gave it to another friend, got, did more drafts, and then started resubmitting it again, was, got lots more rejections, and was about to give up when I uh, heard at work the, the Sword and Laser podcast announcing the Inkshares contest. So is that what got you into Inkshares, was, was hearing about it on Sword and Laser? Yes, absolutely. So Okay, so I'm I'm assuming that it wasn't just our compelling description and and personalities. Uh, when you went to investigate, like what what convinced you? Like, yeah, Tom and Veronica aren't just blowing steam. This is a good idea. I want to run with this. Um. Well, I mean, a lot of it was like you guys and the fact like I've been a fan for a while now, so like I trust you guys that you that you wouldn't steer me wrong. Your first mistake, um, Jim. Mistake. First yeah. mistake. Um, and I, I was hesitant because, you know, part initially it did sound a bit like self-publishing, and I know for a fact I'm very introverted and not very tech-savvy uh, and not very good at self-promotion. So, like, self-publishing was not going to be for me. Um, but, you know, I looked at the Inkshare's proposal and the fact that, it was, you know, they're like, no, we'll actually do editing for you and things like that. Um, and then just like asking my friends uh, what I should do and them saying like, don't be stupid, sign up, you know, do this, do this now, do this yesterday. Um, so I think it was like two days later I had my uh, Inkshares page up. Yeah, and, and the rest is history. And so at, at that point, how much of the book had you written? Was it was it basically done because you've been passing it around to friends and sending it to publishers? Was it a completely finished novel at that point? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was in like my eighth draft at that point. So it was a complete, not, uh, complete manuscript. Um, yeah, I, or I thought it was a complete manuscript until I reached the developmental edit process through Inkshares, and they said, uh, maybe change all of these things. <laughs> they are very well, good I, editors, though, so that's nice. And very I, nice. That's a good question. I'd like you to talk a little more about that, uh, because I, th I think it was one of the things that surprised me, and I'm not sure a lot of people realize this, that Inkshares is not just doing self-publishing. They're, they're doing all of the things that a traditional publisher does, including PR and promotions and stocking and that developmental edit it, it, it describe a little bit more about that process. Um, well, I mean, the developmental edit, I sent my um, manuscript as it was, so in like eighth, ninth draft, to uh, Girl Friday Productions. 
um, who is the production company that InShares works with. Um, they gave me a developmental editor. Her name is Lindsay Robinson, I believe. And like basically didn't hear back for like a couple weeks, um, maybe a month, and then it, she sent it back with all of these notes, you know, suggest uh, suggestions, some some hard cuts, some hard suggestions th to make the narrative simpler. I had to cut out a lot of like entire plot points. I had to write whole new chapters in some cases. Um, one chapter got thrown right back in that had been cut previously, but because of other cuts I had made, it I needed to put it back and. So uh, that uh, sent it back, got like, and then had like a week to do, she sent more notes, and then I had a week to do like final updates, which was a lot of fun, especially considering a lot of my InkShares deadlines seem to coincide with grad school deadlines. Oh my gosh. Um, and so there were some, some sleep, literally sleepless nights in which I was up all, the entire night writing this. Right, because they had a pretty specific schedule on when they wanted edits to be done so they could then, you know, work on the next thing. So the next mm -hmm. thing being the next part of the process and getting your book finished. So it's not like you just put that off for too long because they, they got to do their jobs too. Right. Scary. Oh, that's intense. What are you going to grad school for? Uh, writing. Oh, perfect. This, could you yep. use this as your, like, thesis paper? Uh, unfortunately, no. I think it has to be something entirely new. Well, and so what I was going to ask you, uh, besides an unattractive vampire, had you been developing other stories? And obviously, if, if this is what you're going to grad school for, you, you definitely have, have other writing projects. But what other kinds of things have you written over the years? Um, well, I mean, I started off um, uh, getting into writing through uh, playwriting, through theater. I was a theater major. Um, which is also part of the reason I'm going to grad school for writing because I can't get a writing job with a theater degree. Um, so I started off writing plays, um, none of which were ever produced. Uh, and then from plays I went to, I wrote a series of essays slash parody advice columns as a mad scientist. And then I did a lot of sketch and improv after that. Um, and then from there, moved on to audio drama. And I've been doing that for almost as long as I've been working on, on the novel. So probably about six or seven years. And then I also started writing novels in that time. You know, I've got another one that's in like a third draft. So that, that'll be next after this one. I know Tell Inkshares, us a little more about the audio drama. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, this ties into my question, which was that I know InkShares doesn't really cover audiobooks as part of their mm -hmm. their contract. So since you're so interested in audio dramas, is that something you want to do with an unattractive vampire? I honestly hadn't uh, thought of it until someone who, they, my, uh, I'm going to speak now. My <laughs> friends who... Who do While talking audio, about audio drama, right. obviously, it's going to throw you off. My friends who work with me on our audio drama show um, put put up my book on Tumblr, and some one of our fans asked, oh, will there be an audio book? And that was the first time I had thought of that, and I went, oh, I guess that is something I might think of doing. I will not be reading it, though. I No, that won't happen. Not interested. Do you speak on, on the no. drama, though? 
I do, um, but that's not what I like to focus on. I much prefer to focus on my on my writing for the show. So tell us about the audio drama. What's it about? Um, it's called Our Fair City. Uh, it's basically a dystopian future uh, set in what was once Hartford, Connecticut. I know that place. <laughs> I was born there. Tell me more. I'm interested now. Extra interested. <laughs> um, well, it's the, the climate change has occurred and made everything a frozen wasteland, and the only thing that survives is a uh, an insurance company that oh, has God. become the de facto government. Please um, say it's to... not Travelers. Is it Travelers? Is it Aetna? No, it's the is Hartford. It Cigna? It's the Hartford. No, it's, it's, it's called, we, we call it Heart Life, so we don't get sued. <laughs> nice. Uh, but, and there's, uh, you know, so there's corporate satire, there's mad science, there's mole people, there's a meat wall. Um, yeah. I love it. I love this idea. I'm so excited. I'll definitely give that a listen. I, I always Our Fair City. Our Got Fair it. City. Perfect. That's really great. That's fun. I know that kind of thing is a lot of work too from experience. So it's it's gotta be something that that adds a few more extra hours to your to your workload every week. Um, every once in a while. Uh like right now we just sat down to start writing actually the final season. We've been going for well, seven we have seven seasons done. Seventh season will start being released in May, and then we're going to start working on the eighth season uh, right now. Awesome. Did Fantastic. you have to go to Hartford Arf for research? No. Well, one of our uh, the, the creator and head writers from that area, so he already knew all, all about it. Okay. Well, we should do a tour sometime. I, I'm only home usually around Christmas time, but we can do a walking tour of, of all the places you've destroyed in, in your audio drama. <laughs> in, our, in our first city. Uh, so you probably are, I feel like you're the kind of guy who's going to think that, that this question is odd, especially since this is your very first novel. But mm -hmm. there are lots of folks out there that are in that stage you were several years back with an idea in their heads and not sure they have time and patience to get started. What would you say to people who are like, well, I kind of want to write a story. I want to write a novel, but I, but I don't know how to get started yet. Um, I mean, I would say just do it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much the, the easy one. It's, it's hard to stay motivated. Um, what I would recommend is listening to uh, author interviews like this one. Um, I know I, I was listening while writing this to uh, a lot of things. Uh, I listened to like Neil Gaiman interviews, particularly his one on the Nerdist was oh, really good. Mm, I see. Interesting. He does the Nerdist, huh? Good for him. Yeah, good he, for Chris he did, Hardwick. He did the Nerdist. Um, and also lots of interviews uh, on, on the Sword and Laser as well. Uh, it's <laughs> um, an okay show. There's no okay. Nerdist. It's all right. You know. I mean, they can't. They, they can't get Neil Gaiman, but whatever. I mean, they've had some good people <laughs> they, on. I they guess they haven't been nominated for a, for a Hugo, have they? Not yet. No, <laughs> no, they haven't. No. And you're throwing that into the universe. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But like lot, lots of things like that. Uh, I also listened to or read uh, Russell T Davies' book on uh, writing the last season of Doctor Who. Um, and he said some things in there. And basically, you just you take all that in and then find the things that apply to you. So that you can point to them and be like, see, that person does it. I can do it, too. Um, also, I recommend going to a bookstore and looking at all of the awful things that 
get managed to get published, like celebrity memoirs and things just like that. Just yourself, yeah. Yeah, just be like, hey, they got a book. I'm way better of a writer than them. <laughs> yes. I can do this. Actually, I have done that to make myself feel better about the idea, just about the idea of writing a book. I'm like, there are some pretty bad books out here. I could probably do better. Uh, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but speaking of books, uh, what else are you reading lately if you have any time between grad school and, and wrapping up this project? Uh, not not a lot. I just, um, although I, this is probably something I should have done before writing this book, I just started reading uh, Carmilla, um, which is the female vampire story from the, that was, that predates Bram Stoker's. Wow. Um, so my goal is to, I'm in my like finals week, I actually have like two final papers due tomorrow and Thursday. Um, so I, I, then I have like my week spring break. So I'm going to try and finish that. Uh, I just got um, the Charlie Jane Andrews book that I, you guys said witches and mad science and I was there. So I hope to, to be reading that um, very soon. And then uh, J.F. DeBose, The Life Engineered after that. That's my my, the order of my reading. Sounds like a pretty spectacular uh, to-read list, for sure. Uh, did you know that Tom and I were in a History Channel show about vampires many, many years ago? <laughs> I was going to bring that up ear- earlier. I forgot, yeah. I did not know that. Yes, Tom and I did a, uh, pr- which was being produced by Tom's wife, Eileen, um, with a production wow. company. She was one of the producers, she was, right? She was, the assist- <laughs> she was uh, yeah, associate producer, I think. Yeah, one of the producers. And, yeah, line uh, so, producer. She was so, line producer. So we got roped in, and I got to be virgin number five, who was being, um, I was being given over to Madame Bathory, Elizabeth Bathory. Uh, to keep her young so she could bathe in my blood. And Tom was a doctor that found a victim of a vampire that was running loose in London. Is that right? I was a French doctor. A French doctor. Okay, sorry. So yeah. a vampire in Paris. Perhaps. And Josh Lawrence, who helps moderate uh, our forum and compose the Sword Laser theme song, was my assistant. Oh, there you go. So we're all, we all have strange vampire ties these days. I might have seen that. It's called. I think it was the, called Vampire Secrets. Vampire Secrets. I think it's on yeah. my IMDb page. <laughs> and there's a. And there was a. There were the best part about it that I remember was the psychic vampires, the people who like not even like being accused, but like avowedly mm-hmm. said, "Oh yeah, no, I don't suck blood. I draw energy off of people." I'm and, almost and, positive that I've seen this. Holy crap! Yeah. Yeah. And based some of the novel. On, <laughs> on That's amazing. Season. You can you can laugh because it's it they they show it like they used to show it every Halloween on History Channel. Yeah, I'm not sure it's I haven't in the heard it anymore. Yeah, but, yeah, I haven't heard people mentioning it recently. But you can probably find it on like you know Netflix somewhere. The, the deepest pirate pits of Bay. Netflix. Yeah, the Pirate Bay. <laughs> I don't even I own don't a know. copy. I don't even have one. I have a, a like this is how old it is. I think I have a DVD ROM. Cool. Cool. Well, I I like how we made this about us. uh, But Jim, thank you um, very much for all your hard work on this project. I I, the book is so funny and so well written and so clever. And it really touches on all those things that I think are make people annoyed about modern vampires and kind of gives it a, you know, a kick in the ass. And and I think we all appreciate that. So what's next from you? Oh, Um, again, I'm working on a another novel that will hopefully happen. Um, whether or not I do that with ink shares or especially with 
especially with the the new contests coming out, because as much as I I love Sword and Laser, I also love me Geek and Sundry. Um, that so if they do a contest that's like urban fantasy, I might have to try that, even if it even if I don't think the manuscript is ready, because pretty much everything I watch TV wise right now is Geek and Sundry. Um, other than that, we'll share with Felicia. That's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Other than that, uh, working on the new uh, next season of the audio drama. Um, I have short stories that I have to write for classes. So if you guys ever do another anthology, I have stories. Um, uh, let's see. Anything else? Uh, I have to get to work on a. I'm working on a kind of horror comedy web series that might eventually happen uh, as soon as I finish all the scripts for it. Um, so yeah, that'll be a thing and hopefully lots of other things. It sounds like you're keeping busy for sure. Where, where can everyone keep up with you online? Um, I'm at Jim McDaniel on Twitter. Uh, I have a website, jimmcdaniel.com. Um, the website for the audio drama is www.ourfaircity.com and that's also available on iTunes. Um, and I mean, I have like a Facebook presence. Uh, I have a Facebook authors page. Um, I also have a personal page, but don't try and friend me on that because I won't accept you. Personal um, space people, personal space. Yeah. Probably just follow me on Twitter. I post there a lot. So that's easy. The easiest. All right. Well, Jim McDaniel. See, I got to say your name right, at least at the very end. An unattractive vampire available now, guys. Go out and get it on Amazon and wherever books are sold. We are so excited and so proud of this particular book. And uh, yeah, best of luck for the future. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, guys.